How's everybody doing? Good. Everybody excited in these last few days of school, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, let me introduce myself real quick and let me give you a little bit of background of myself before uh, I get into talking tonight. My name's Kobe. Uh, if you see me around church, I'm usually running, doing a bunch of stuff on Sunday mornings, uh, putting a five-year-old into uh, children's church and then running into service and sometimes maybe doing offerings, sometimes might be doing other stuff and then 11 o'clock, run up to uh, stairs and sometimes I'm pushing a cart full of food or sometimes I'm doing something, going down to the college class, uh, teach the college class, work with the college uh, ministry and if I'm pushing a lot of food, you know college students are very hungry, they're poor and they're hungry and anytime you can give them free food, they're really excited over that. So we do as much as we can. But uh, give you a little bit of, of just my interest real quick, music-wise right now, my music goes from one end of the spectrum to the other a lot of times. Uh, today I was listening, just doing some, who, who, who has Spotify? Spotify is just like gold for me right now, you know? I've had Spotify for a little bit, but all of a sudden Spotify has just been a, a rebirth. Anybody see that Google, see that Google released today? Huge announcements, Google is now into the streaming music industry. Had a huge announcement today, so they're going, they're, they're, it's actually available now to get, and now they're getting into it, so uh, it's pretty cool. But anyway, on my Spotify, I was listening to a band called Delirious, which is around a few years ago, but uh, it goes anywhere from a dude named Propaganda. Anybody ever heard of Propaganda? Awesome rapper out of, the, out of L.A., South Central L.A. He's a Christian. Uh, really good guy. His raps are more poetic, which is really cool. Anybody ever heard of a band, Beautiful Eulogy? They're a great rap group out of Portland. Good Christian guys. I listen to them. Listen to some Lecrae. I listen to Andy Mineo, if you don't know him. And then I go all the way back down to listening, of course, to passion artists like Christian Stanfield, Chris Tomlin, uh, Matt Redman, different guys like that. So my music spectrum goes from one end to the other. Uh, it's real interesting. And then also I got some disciple going on, some 30,000-foot crutch, people like that. So, you know, I can go hard. I can go praise and worship or I can go rap. And that all happens in my drive from my house all the way to work about 15 minutes away. So I'm really ATD when it comes to music. I change very often, you know. But um, right now, also getting into some books that uh, I've been reading, a, a book by a guy named Brandon Hatmaker, which is a book called Barefoot Church. He is the pastor of a church in Austin. Uh, Austin City Church. It's, it's a really interesting book, and also reading some stuff by a guy named Ed Stetzer, who is a missionologist. He just planted a church up in Hendersonville, but he's worked with Lifeway and, and uh, done a lot of stuff, worked with Lifeway, worked with uh, North American Mission Board, and just reading books on being missional and planting churches. So I got a lot going on, but if you don't, you, you think I've got a lot going on, I'm actually resting right now. I'm actually, this is my rest. I haven't rest, I haven't actually had time to rest like this in a long time. See, this time last week, I was sitting at my kitchen table and I had these thick books about this thick. And you, if, you, if you don't believe me, you can talk to Derek Simpson because they are thick books. Theology books are thick books, right, Derek? I mean, they are thick. So I had all these books laid out open and I was finishing a paper on the sovereignty of God. Now, some of you are like, the sovereignty of God? Well, how can you write a huge paper on that? you would be amazed at how you could write a huge paper on the sovereignty of God. I filled 15 pages, all right? And I talked from everything from uh, determinism to indeterminism to open theology to classic theology to paradox determinism. And, and y'all are looking at me like now like you're, you're talking so foreign to me and there's only two or three other people and I'm looking at one of them who understands what I'm talking about right now. But that's what I had to write about. And by the way, I got a perfect score on it. So and then last Saturday, I traveled to Lynchburg, Virginia, and I got to graduate with my master's in theological studies, which was really cool. 
Uh, got to walk, got to experience Liberty University, and it, it's a small community, and over 7,000 people graduated, and over 30,000 people showed up, and the nearest hotel that we stayed at was in Roanoke, which was an hour away. So, and then last Tuesday, my son, who's five, Luke, he graduated from kindergarten. I think we got a picture that I took. We got a picture up there real quick of me. This, this was at Liberty this is at, uh, this is at uh, Thomas Road Baptist Church, which was started by Jerry Falwell. Uh, and, um, yeah, that, there we are on the stage. This is before. Now, they, what they did is that uh, all the different schools at Liberty that were graduating, you split up. You, you did the big commencement. You did the big, you know, ta-da, whatever. And, you know, you heard somebody speak. And then you had to go off to your different schools. So since I was in seminary, we were at Thomas Road Baptist Church Worship Center. And I had to... Had to get a picture with my son in his graduation garb because us graduating, you know, during the same week, that's pretty cool, you know. I really wanted him to walk with me, but they, they wouldn't allow that at all. But, yeah, so that has gone on for the last few days. And actually, Monday, Tuesday, and today, I have just done nothing but rest. So when Derek called me today, he's like, man, what are you working on? I'm like, nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. I'm not doing anything. This is so cool. I've not had this opportunity in a long time. But. Let me, what we're going to be talking about tonight is something that I was thinking about last week, and uh, when we were at, you can take that picture down now, when we were at, um, when I was sitting at Liberty, early in the morning, we had to get, at 7.30, we had to be at, at the, uh, around the football stadium, and we walk into the football stadium, and, you, you know, you have this long line, I mean, understand, we had over 7,000 people graduating that day. It's the largest class ever in Liberty's history to graduate. This was the 40th year of Liberty being in existence. So 40th commencement, largest crowd ever. There's not a lot of seats. Uh, so as we're walking in, I get a seat pretty close to the front of the stage, which is really cool. And I'm standing there, and I'm, and I'm just continuing to see people march in, and I'm, and I'm just kind of sitting there, and I just start thinking, man, this is amazing. Because a lot of these people are graduating with their bachelors. A lot of people are graduating with an associate's. A lot of us were graduating with our master's. There were a few doctors in there with their big puffy hats on and, and their really cool robes, you know. And they were graduating with their doctorates in something. But then later on that day, as we moved over to the school you were in, as I was in, since I was in seminary, and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm graduating with my master's, and I'm sitting there and I just, I just look at all the people who are graduating. See, you got guys who, who graduated with their doctorates, and they had to write these theses like crazy. And I'm not talking like they wrote a 20-page thesis. They wrote a book, you know, and it had to be on all these different subjects. And then I see these guys who are, who are graduating with masters in different things, and I'm thinking, man, you know, where were we, where were we these guys a few years ago? What was going on in their life a few years ago, you know? Some of them have been doing this for six-plus years, you know, almost nine years working on this stuff. Where were they a few years ago? What was going on in their life a few years ago? Because I know where I was a few years ago, and I was nowhere near graduating from something like this. I didn't even think I would ever achieve something like this, to tell you the truth. I thought for sure that I was just going to be a work, just work, just labor, the rest of my life, try to make a good, you know, good salary, yada, 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 support my family or whatever. But see, a few years ago, I was at a crossroads in my life because there was something that happened to me because I had gotten my life involved in something that was pretty serious. See, I was involved in this thing that almost destroyed my marriage. I'm not going to go deep into it, but I will tell you that there was something that was destroying my marriage. I, I had this addiction had, had overcome me, and it was starting to control my life. But see, a few years ago, I had never thought that I would be where I am today. 
I never thought I'd be standing up here talking to you guys. I didn't know last Wednesday if I was even going to survive the next two days, you know. I didn't finish that paper until 2 o'clock on Friday morning. Then we got up at 6 and headed up to Virginia. I was sleep deprived for a long time. But I didn't know what was going to be happening to me. And I didn't know what was going to happen to my marriage. I didn't know what was going to happen because of what I had done. Because, see, I was living this old life. I was wanting to stay involved in this old life. I was wanting to be a slave to this one thing that was holding me down and dragging me down and destroying me and destroying my wife. And and we didn't have Luke at the time. And it was destroying everything around me. I didn't think so. I thought it was an okay thing, you know, whatever. But it wasn't. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Because, see, you're coming up on a time in the year we're going to have a little bit more freedom. A little bit more opportunities to do things. A little bit more chances to go places and do stuff. You know, who I was going to camp. If that promo video doesn't excite you, I don't know what will because that was actually a pretty cool promo video. But you got a lot of stuff that's going to be happening. Camp is just that one week. You got all these other weeks of other stuff going on. Or there's something you've held on to for this whole school year that's just dragging you down, man, and it's bringing you down, and it's holding you down. And you're like, man, I know I'm a Christian, but there's something just do- it's doing this thing to me that I don't know if I can really let people know what's going on inside of me. I want to be a Christian on the outside because, see, I did that. I looked like a Christian on the outside. I did the Christian thing. I went to church, man. I even taught some Sunday school, you know. We went to Sunday school. We did all that stuff. Went to, you know, fellowships. I'm really talking old Southern Baptist right now using those terms. But, you know, we did those things. We did that. I lived in Texas with my wife, and we were part of a huge church out there. They called it Six Flags Over Jesus. And, you know, literally they called it Six Flags Over Jesus. I'm still waiting on them to build a coaster, you know. But, you know, Elijah, off on the chariot. Anyway, and I was just like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Not Everybody doesn't have to know my secret stuff because... They know I'm a Christian by the way I look on the outside. I talk the talk, I read whatever, and I'm, I, I do that. I walk it. So what's the big deal? Look in Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3. The letter written by Paul to the church at Colossae. Now, you've got to understand that the church of Colossae was actually, it was pretty much is a church plant. It was a church plant. This guy who was part of that went and heard Paul when Paul was preaching in Ephesus, took back that message, went back and, and kind of planted this church. So Paul, you know, he, he had a hand in getting this, the church planted in Colossae. Now, I want you to understand, it was not, the churches in the New Testament were not like these huge mega, you know, they're not like these one big buildings and everybody just came. They were different churches either in homes or either where they, they met in different areas, you know, in these cities. So when you're talking about the church of Colossae, he's talking about all these different churches that are meeting or the church at Ephesus and stuff like that. But what had happened was the church at Colossae was allowing this other guy to come in and preach a different type of message to where this, this teaching that started was actually trying to pull back these old Jewish laws and a lot of these pagan laws and a lot of this stuff like that to where the, the church was allowing some things to happen but still want to call themselves Christians, still want to call themselves followers of the way. And Paul writes this letter to them and he addresses these things in chapter 3. So let's read the first uh, few verses here, verses 1 through 4 of Colossians chapter 3. Now I'm going to be reading now the ESV version, okay? If then... You've been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him 
in glory. Let's stop right there for a second. So Paul is addressing here in chapter 3, he was, he's basically saying, look, you've been raised to a brand new life in Christ. You need to seek those things that are above. You need to seek those things that are of Christ because Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's where he is. He is resurrected. He is risen again. He's back. He, he rose again to go back to God. Set your minds on things that are above. And actually what's interesting, if, if, we, if you know the letters of Paul and you know back to Romans, what does Romans say? Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind, right? Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul right here is saying, set your, th- set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. He's saying, look, you've died to this old self. You've died to this oldness. You are now a new person. So you need to make sure that you set your mind on those things that are above. Set your mind on those things that are in Christ. Don't set your mind on these earthly things. Don't, don't be so concentrated on doing earthly things because, and try to also do Christ-like things. You need to set your mind on things that are above because like we said in Romans 12, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he's saying set your mind on things that are above. And then, here's what Paul does. Because he says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also appear with him in glory, right? When we're a new creation, when we're in Christ, when we give our lives to him, and I'm not talking about just giving a little bit, when we give our lives to him, that means we're going to spend eternity with him, right? So that means when Christ returns, we're going to be with him, correct? And when he takes us, we're going to be with him, right? Okay. We've got a good understanding there. Lay the foundation. Let's go up next. Look at verse 5. I love what Paul says right here. Put to death. Okay, let's just stop right there. Paul says put to death. Paul doesn't say just shove them over to the side for a little bit. Paul doesn't say just, just, just don't worry about them right now. You know, just, you know. Paul doesn't say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you guys and I'm going to hope that you are able to put those things away. Paul just pretty much gets to the point and says put to death which means kill them, kill them, get rid of them, put to death. The only way you're going to put something to death, you're going to kill it, right? You're not going to be able to put anything to death by just grazing it, correct? You're not going to be able to put anything to death by saying, I hope I just wound it really good. Put to death, okay? And I'm putting in some hunting references, you know, there. I'm missing Duck Dynasty, all right? So anyway, Phil's here Friday. Anyway, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Now, here we go. You ready? You ready for this list? Because it's going to come home. Let me go ahead and let me give you a warning before we get into it, okay? Let me, let me give you just a, a pre before we get into this. This list that Paul's about to give is going to touch each and every one of us in here in some way. Now, I'm not saying that we're all doing these things, but this list that Paul covers, we are all doing something on this list somewhere. Okay? There's a thing, there's two things on this list that I was doing. So when we go through this list, man, I'm just going to tell you, when you walk out of here, y'all going to have to probably go to a foot doctor because your toes are going to be hurting because they're going to be stepped on a lot. But you've got to understand that what Paul is saying is that these are the things we have to get rid of. 
the things that we have to put to death if we want to live for Christ. So let's go through this list right quick, and we're going to look at something here in just a minute. So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, sexual, um, I'm sorry, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, saying that you have put, your, put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, psych- Scythian slave free, but Christ is all and in all. <sighs> There's a list there of about 11 things that Paul went through. Here's what I want to do real quick. Let's pop up that slide. And I want you, here's what I like to do. I love to look at different versions, different in, translations of the Bible because it's a fun thing to do. And if you ever get into theology, you'll understand why it's a fun thing to do. But I want to pop up. I've looked at three different, three different interpretations, three different translations of the Bible. Is that up there? The, the sins... Here we go. I want, I want us to just look at these because it's real interesting the way it's worded, okay? We got the ESV over here, which I read out of, sexual immorality, impurity, and passion. TNIV, which is today's new international version. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, greed, ooh, anger, rage, rage instead of wrath. Isn't that interesting? Malice, slander, filthy language? Obscene talk is filthy language? What? Look at the message. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, doing whatever, whenever. That means doing whatever you want, whenever you want. Your desire, what you want to do, selfishness. Getting whatever you want on covetousness. Getting whatever you want. You want to hold a little bit, you want to keep all that to yourself, keep it all to yourself. You want to get what you want, get what you want. Anger is is, uh, interpreted as bad temper. Irritability. Meanness. Profanity. Dirty talk. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Out of those things right there, y'all are right now thinking, oh, I see that a lot. (laughs) I don't want you to think about what other people are doing. I want you to think of what is in your life. Because, see, I can look at a couple of things up there. Lust is one of them. Uh, Anger. Anger is another one. Those are some things that, that were in my life. If you want to go with slander, if you want to go where it says profanity, slander, how about gossip? Gossip is a good, you know? How many look at, how many look at Facebook to see how everyone else is doing? How many look at Facebook to see what everyone else is doing wrong? How many look at Twitter? I love the way you guys code on Twitter because <laughs> Twitter, you're like in 148 characters or less. I got to say this against this person. You won't put a name out there, but you're pointing it to somebody. That cracks me up. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Somebody out there knows what this person is talking about because they are saying something bad to them right now and 140 or less. Right? Some of this other stuff, sexual immorality, man, impurity. Impurity, you're like, man, no. I'm not impure. I've not had sex before marriage. I'm not talking about just that. Impurity, letting impure things into your life, letting impure things come into your heart. Passion, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage. How many, how many of y'all are driving? 
How many of y'all drive angry home every day? How many of y'all beep at the person that's got the, the handicap thing on, the, on their license plate when they're going too slow for you? How many of y'all get upset at people when they're going too slow in the fast lane and you feel like you've got to go, you're like, dude, this is like Marietta. This is like 285 in Air Marietta, man. I got to go 80. And you're like on APD 40, right? And you like whip around people, you know? You're angry. You got this rage that just builds up inside of you. Malice, meanness, meanness, meanness. What is mean? I'm not mean. I'm not a mean person. How many of you say things about other people where they can hear it? How many of you intentionally do things to other people or say things to other people because you're vengeful? It's quiet. Slander. It's profanity, dirty talk, filthy language. How many think that it's a cool thing, it's all right, because this summer I already have the week planned, I already have the Friday, Saturday, I got it set, man, because the wolf pack is back and I want to see what they do in Vegas. How many have already got that plan? Because you know who I'm talking about. What? Huh? But they're back. Previews look funny. Previews look hilarious. You know? Paul is saying here to the church, but what the message is is that we are, the, see, we're the church, right? So what Paul is saying is that when you let these things, and see, I don't, I don't care if it was four years ago, you still know about it, right? And you still know that it's out there, and you still watch it. Because, see, what Paul is saying is that you have let that stuff into your life, you've let that stuff into your mind, and you've let that stuff seep into your brain. Because now you see it one time and you think it's okay to see it again, or you do it one time and you think it's okay to do it again, and you're living this double life. Because you're supposed to set your mind on things that are above. You're supposed to set your mind on Christ. So then he says, because here... There's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's put it in today's terms. There's not Republican or Democrat. There's not conservative or liberal. There's not Northern and Southern. There's not Cleveland and Walker Valley. There's not Bradley Cleveland or Bradley Walker Valley. Christ is all and in all. We are all supposed to set our minds on things that are above and we're all supposed to represent Christ in everything that we do. Everything that we do. And he's going to show us what we do and how to do it. Look at verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, 
do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, you know how we looked at that list a few minutes ago? We've got another list we're going to look at right now. Let's look at the three different versions of this, and you've got to read it. It's a little small here. ESV, we've gone through it. TNIV says, compassionate heart, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgive as God did, love, peace of Christ, be thankful, message of Christ dwell in you, teach one another, admonish one another, sing to God with gratitude, do all in the name of Jesus, give thanks to God through him. The message says, compassion, heart, kindness, uh, humility, quiet strength. Quiet strength, I love that one. To be meek, to be, a lot of times think of meek being weak. But being gentle, being strong, quietly strong, I love that. Discipline, even-tempered, content with second place, you forgive, wear love, peace of Christ, cultivate thankfulness. Message of Christ, have run of the house. Instruct one another. What that means, message of Christ, have run of the house, the message of Christ runs you. It control, it, you have the desire of him. Instruct one another, direct one another, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives be done in the name of Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. It's awesome that Paul's list here of virtues is longer than Paul's list of sins because Paul is saying that this is how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to be, when we say we're a Christian, when you say that you follow Jesus Christ, this is what you're supposed to put on every day. This is how you're supposed to act. This is who you're supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to look. This is how you're supposed to talk. This is who you represent because when you say you're a Christian, you are telling everyone else that I follow Jesus Christ and since I follow Jesus Christ, I'm going to be Jesus Christ. And since I'm going to be Jesus Christ, I want people to see Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying because he says at the end right there, whatever you do in word or deed, not whatever you do when you feel like it. Not whatever you do when you have a chance. Not whatever you do when you just talk or whatever you do when you just act. You know, people, people, a lot of people say, you know, I don't have to really say a lot if I just act like a Christian, people know. Paul says whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let me tell you a story real quick. Back before World War II, World War II, which is the 1930s, there was this family in Russia who was very afraid of Stalin and what Stalin was starting to do to Russia. He was starting to, to control Russia in a very bad way. He was really dictating, and they wanted to escape that, okay? They were very religious people, and, and this, this mother and father said, we've got to get out of here. We've got to escape this. So they picked up their kids that they had at the time, and they moved to the middle of Siberia. And they found a place right in a small valley of the large mountains in Siberia, and they built a home, and they lived there. Now, they didn't live there for just five years. They didn't live there for ten years. They lived there so long they had no idea that World War II happened. They lived there so long they had no idea that the Russians and the Americans were in a space race. They lived there so long they had no idea about communism. They lived there for 40 years until someone found them. This man and wife had four kids, two daughters, two sons. 
there were some geologists who just happened to be flying over this certain part of Siberia at one time because they were going to do a study. And they look down and they see this home and they see this garden and they see this, this livable place. And they land their helicopter and they get out and they go up and they knock on the door. And nobody, they really don't see anybody. Well, they knock again because it's kind of dark inside this house. And this, this woman comes to the door and they're just astonished. And then they find, and she, she invites them in. And they find the fathers there, and they find the rest of the family there, and it's just a, they, they're just amazed that this family is there. And this family has no idea of what's happened because they, they were so afraid that they lived in this place for 40 years before someone found them. Okay? So then the geologists kind of form a relationship, and as the geologists come back a couple of times, three of the children... Contact, uh, get pneumonia and die. The mother had already passed away because she starved herself to death so that her kids could eat. They were literally eating bark off of trees sometimes because the summers were just so short and the winters were so brutal. Their clothes were torn, had the same clothes, all right? They made their own clothes and still had the same clothes in a lot of, a lot of ways. Up And then what happened was after the, all the families passed away, there's one daughter left. One daughter. And before the geologists were leaving, they, they asked her, they said, Thygia, that's her name, they said, Thygia, do you want to go with us? And she said, no, I want to stay here. And as the geologists left for the last time from, that, from visiting there, they, she just waved at them and stayed there. And to this day, to this day, she's still there. She's 70 years old. She's still living there, doing the exact same thing that she's known her whole life. She's not left that place. She leaves long enough to go and do what she's got to do around that area. She has everything she needs, and to this day, she is still there. Here's the deal. As Christians, we live our lives like that, in sin a lot of times. We hold on to this one thing and do this one thing because we, we don't want people to know that we do it. And we hold it inside. And on the outside, we look like a Christian. We say, I can look like a Christian outside. And the inside, they can't know what I really do. So we hold on to this one thing. And we stay complacent because we're afraid to change everything for Christ. And we say, no, I'll stay here. Because we think, what if he calls me to go do something I don't want to do? Or what if he calls me to do something I'm afraid of? What if I give him everything and then it's going to be way different? And we stay right there, complacent. Just like this woman is still there today, we stay right there in that old life. We don't want to get rid of everything. Here's what you've got to do. Number one, you've got to take on these virtues. You've got to take on these virtues. You've got to live as Paul is saying that we need to live. Number two is that you've got to let the love of Christ come into your life because it will bring balance and harmony. It will bring all this into your life if you let Him rule you. Number three, you have to give it all to Him. You have to give Him everything. You have to give Him all that there is because look at me, guys. A few years ago, I didn't want to give Him all. I wanted to give Him a little bit and just keep some to myself because I felt like I had that right. I felt like I was entitled to just a little bit. 
But then I knew what my selfishness and my pride was doing. And then I knew I had to give it all to him. And number four, you have to identify yourself with him. You have to identify yourself with who he is and what he does and what he teaches and who, how he lived. Because, he, see, here's the thing, guys. I'm bringing it all right in right here. As Christians, a lot of times we, live, we lead this double life. Let them see me in one way, but let them not know who I really am. We lead this double life, and what we don't understand is that we have to give it all. Put to death the old, which you've already done, and put on the new, which is Jesus Christ. And when you put on the new, which is Jesus Christ, you identify yourself with Him so that when you walk down those halls, when you do whatever you're going to do this summer, you're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You stand tall, and you let people know that I live for Him. And when you let people know that you live for Him, He uses you in mighty ways. And when He uses you in mighty ways, He puts you in situations that you didn't think you would ever be. And when you are in situations or places you didn't think you'd ever be, you're sharing him with other people. And then when you're sharing him with other people, he is being glorified. His word is being spread. And then you're fulfilling the Great Commission, which is what we were called to do when we give our lives to him. Because, see, I had no idea that after I made that decision, the, the, what I made, that a few years later I would be doing what I'm doing, that a few years later I would be teaching at some point in, inside in Sunday school and in the church, and I had no idea that a few years later that I would take two trips to Cambodia and witness to people in that country and work at a youth camp. I had no idea that last Saturday I would stand up there and receive that degree, that master's degree in theological studies, and know that I'm going to go do something else. But it's when I realized that I had to get it give it all to him, and identify with Christ. You have a summer coming up where you can either stay in that old or you can put on the new and have the most unbelievable summer you've ever experienced and actually the most unbelievable life that you'll ever have. Here's what we're going to do. Let's see if the guys can come up here and play closing song. I know I'm running over just a little bit and I apologize for that. Here's what I want to do just real quick, alright? I'm going to make this long drawn out. This is yours. Because I know that some of you are holding on to whatever's on that list. There's something on that list that some of you are holding on to and you've been holding on to it all school year. And you're like, oh, summertime's coming up so I can actually be a little bit freer. And this is open. Okay? You have the opportunity to come up here, come before God, and lay it and give it to him. And you have the opportunity to walk out the doors tonight a brand new person. And you say that this summer I'm living for him. This summer my life is devoted to him. This summer I'm going to make sure that people will know that I identify myself with Christ. So the band's going to play and you guys have the opportunity to do that. <laughs>